BridgeBank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to those committed to leveraging innovation to make the world a better place. BridgeBank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. BridgeBank. Be bold. Venture wisely. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. From KQED Public Radio in San Francisco, this is Forum. I'm Katie Orr. More than 40% of Americans are fully vaccinated, but how do you prove it? With no federal or state tracking system, private companies and some cities are developing their own vaccine passports. We'll talk about what they are, who's making them, and whether you'll need one. And then Naomi Osaka withdrew from the French Open after refusing to appear at tournament press conferences, ultimately citing her mental health. Her supporters praise her for her honesty and putting her health first. Critics say press is part of the game. Is it time to reevaluate the relationship between athletes and the media? That's next on Forum, right after this news. Welcome to Forum. I'm Katie Orr. As the vaccinated shed their masks and rejoin the world, they may be required to prove their vaccination status to enter events or to travel. But while many countries are developing a federal vaccine passport, the Biden administration says the U.S. won't go that route. That's left private companies and some cities and states scrambling to develop systems for digital proof of vaccination. Joining us to check in on the progress of vaccine passports and when and where you may need one are Catesby Perrin, the executive vice president of growth at Clear, one of the company's developing passports, and Marin McKenna, a contributor at Wired and a senior fellow at Emory University in Atlanta. Thank you both so much for being here this morning. Uh, Marin, I want to start with you. Can you just tell us more about where we might expect to see these passports being required? Sure, and thanks for having me. So I think it's really important for us to talk about the language that we're using. This is not a passport in the sense that most of us understand passport, which is a thing generated by a sovereign government to say to other sovereign governments, this is my citizen, please respect them. Though we are talking about using some form of verifiable digital certificate to get across borders, as you said, it's not something that the Biden administration is interested in the U.S. government doing. So what we're looking at instead is something that was kind of like the mask mandates that large retail chains came up with. If you are going to come into my Walmart store or my Costco or my H-Mart, you must be wearing a mask. And so there, there are varieties of 
digital verifiable certificates being talked about that would draw on state vaccine registries or on the records of healthcare providers that would represent to some venue or business or place where we gather that we're safe to be there. Can you explain a little bit about why uh, the Biden administration has decided not to pursue a federal passport? It seems like that's what would make the most sense, given how often, you know, people travel back and forth around the country. It absolutely would make the most sense. And around the world, many, many governments are, in fact, moving to that. In Europe, uh, Iceland, Estonia, the European Union is creating one. The African Union is talking about creating one. But there are some significant challenges for the United States. One is political, that vaccine certification has almost immediately become a kind of platform in the culture wars between left and right. But another is actually logistical. Most of the countries that I just named have some form of federal national insight into their healthcare systems. They either have a single payer system, they have a government funded system, they have a national ID card, they have a national health insurance card. We don't have any of that in the United States. We have a completely retail patchwork healthcare system. And due to some decisions that were made by the Trump administration, we literally don't have a national vaccination registry for COVID vaccination. That information, who actually was vaccinated and what vaccine they got, the stuff that shows up on your paper card, is held by every individual state. All the federal government has is anonymized data about how many vaccines were delivered, were administered, and where those occurred. So they literally couldn't generate a federal vaccine passport, even if they wanted to, which they don't. That's just fascinating to me that the federal government doesn't know. I mean, some might argue that that's good, right? That, you know, it is anonymous, but it is, it's fascinating. Um, And so what we're seeing, right, is private companies trying to fill that gap. Uh, Maren, who are the major players that are jumping in here? So actually, there are lots. um, And there are kind of several different levels of this. There are companies and uh, non-governmental organizations that are working on the standards that apps would be built on, because we are mostly talking about digital verification here, though for anyone who doesn't have a smartphone, there will be some kind of paper alternative. Then there are companies that would adopt those standards to make, to build apps. And then sort of above that layer, there are companies that are going to want to deploy those apps. So all the way at the bottom of the pyramid, probably the largest effort is what's called the Commons Project, which is an an open source, philanthropically based link to the World Economic Forum and the, the Rockefeller Foundation. In the middle, there's companies like IBM. And at the top, the people who would actually sort of help you deploy or populate the information in an app are places like Walmart. Walmart is talking about using uh, either creating an app or putting the information from its pharmacies where shots were delivered into an app that you then can use to certify that you have been vaccinated and are safe. 
We're talking about vaccine passports with Marin McKenna, a contributor at Wired. And I want to bring in now uh, Kate B. Perrin, who is with the company Clear, one of the companies that is working in this vaccine passport space. I, I want to first say, you know, if you have a question about va- vaccine passports or if you're concerned about your health data falling into the wrong hands, give us a call right now, 866-733-6786. That's 866-733. 7336786 you can also get in touch on Twitter and Facebook we're at KQED forum or email your questions to forum at kqed.org um Kate's be parent tell us a little bit about what clear is trying to do in this vaccine passport arena yeah, I think I, I want to echo a lot of what Marin really said so eloquently, which is this is not a passport, right? We think very differently in terms of, of how we frame this, which is really more about consumer empowerment, right? How do we give every individual consumer control over their vaccination record, which for the first time ever truly has currency and power in a way that a vaccination record historically has not had that kind of efficacy or that value. And so first and foremost, I think, you know, to to Marin's point, a passport connotes some sort of sovereign state, sovereign federal government um, issuing something that is is binary, right? That is, you know, potentially keeps one out or allows someone in. Um, What we've built uh, starting about a year ago and been very focused on is, is what we think of as a health pass, right? How do we empower the individual with their vaccination record to start and then allow them with their discretion and their control to A, have that data, keep it private, but then uh, you know, clear on their behalf in this instant, validating that they have met the requirements for entry. So allowing private individuals to have control of their private data, but then also private enterprise to say, these are the means by which we are gonna reopen sooner and more safely and ensure that our population of employees, our guests, whomever it might be, is safe to come back. And in doing so, we wanna validate these things. Um, We sit in the middle and allow the individual to be empowered, but also a relying organization like a sports stadium or an airline or a cruise line to say these are what's required. And we can play middleman to allow the individual to keep their their data private. Are you working with other companies to develop like a standardized approach to this? We are. We're very focused, I think, on interoperability. And, And this is a really unique moment where I think the you know across the United States and the world more broadly, we are uniquely aligned to empower individuals to come back and to do it safely. And so interoperability and standards are really important. And I think Marin talked about you know the Biden administration, while not focusing on building a federal standard or, or sorry a federal you know vaccine passport themselves, but rather to outline standards for what those things should be focused on with respect to data privacy and data control. Um, you know, we have been part of the vaccine credentialing initiative, uh, which is focused on these standards organizations. And then similarly, are working with Walmart, to Marin's point, as Walmart called out, Walmart is, is leveraging clear to make their patient data available to their patients, right? Give their patients a means to access, take control of, and then if they desire to, put that data to use in the ways that they see fit. Um, and so, so we think working across private industry, under the auspices of these standard settings organizations, together with guidance from the federal government and states, is is really how we bring people back uh, as fast as possible. How do you address privacy concerns? Because, you know, as as great as this may sound to a lot of people, just, you know, flash your smartphone and your life is back to normal, 
you and Walmart, you're private companies. So you do have, you know, a profit goal at the at the end of the day. Why should a consumer trust that you or any other private company is going to keep their data safe and that one day they won't wake up to a million emails about, uh, you know, some medical related thing? Sure. It's a, it's a great question. I, I think a few different really important parts there. One is all of these services, whether it's from Walmart or from Clear, are 100% free to the consumer. So none of this should cost anyone anything to, to basically take control of and have control over their healthcare data. In this case, their vaccination records specifically. Two, uh, this is in large part, I think, where you know, why Walmart has chosen to work with Clear specifically is we have built a reputation, a brand, and a privacy posture for trust in the work where most people know us most commonly, which is in aviation security, where we have built a business, uh, which is our core business, under the auspices of Homeland Security and TSA, with a focus on cybersecurity, where we talk about every day privacy is job one, and where our privacy policy is written in layman's terms so people can deeply understand it. Uh, and it's accessible, you know, across all our platforms. Um, but it's it's part of, of of why we think Walmart has chosen to work with us specifically is because of our focus on on privacy and consumer control. Marin, uh, as you know, we're just starting to see these roll out. How successful has it been in the initial stages? These these private health passes uh, have we have we seen any evidence that they're working yet? So I think the jurisdiction in the United States that has moved the furthest ahead is New York State, which has what it calls an Excelsior Pass that is useful in and only in New York State. It draws on the state vaccine registry to report in an app whether someone is vaccinated or has had a negative test, primarily at this point in order to enter large venues such as Madison Square Garden or the Barclay Center. People seem to be in favor of it. There also are lots of reports that people who are vaccinated and have their paper record have not been able to get themselves registered. So it's certainly not without bumps. But it does show that um, people can, that these efforts are moving ahead in a way that is kind of inexorable. And, And so we need to get this worked out because jurisdictions want it to happen. We're talking about vaccine passports with Catesby Perrin from Clear and Marin McKenna, a contributor at Wired. What questions do you have about vaccine passports? Are you concerned about your health data falling into the wrong hands? Or are you excited about getting a passport? Give us a call now at 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. You can also get in touch on Twitter and Facebook. We're at KQED Forum or email your questions to forum at kqed.org. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Katie Orr. I want to go to a caller now, Michelle in Oakland. Go ahead. Hi. Yes, thank you for taking the um, And my question is, 
I'm wondering, is anyone concerned about how problematic such a database could be in terms of unfair discrimination against those who aren't vaccinated and for medical reasons who couldn't get it or for religious reasons decided not to get it or for people who simply couldn't have access to it? There are many people of color, blacks um, and Latinos, who all across the country don't have access to getting the vaccine, and they're going to be excluded from all of these places that are now tracking, you know, um, vaccines. And this is in a country that, you know, just last year was having riots based upon unfair racial discrimination. Like, are you guys concerned about the social impact of this? Thank you so much, Michelle. Great question. Marin, what are we seeing? I I was reading um, some articles that said, indeed, it is, you know, so far, white, better off uh, people, socially, social, economically speaking, who are tending to take advantage of these uh, these health passes at the moment. Uh, Is there a concern about social equity? Absolutely. And the caller raises a really good point. We have to be sure as this gets built out. And as I was saying just before the break, it seems inevitable that some kind of digital health pass or vaccine passport will be created in different places. We have to be sure that it's equitable. We have to be sure that people are not punished for their inability to access the vaccine and that the same hurdles that kept some people from accessing the vaccine because of work schedules, because of reasonable historic distrust of government health efforts, whatever the reasons are, that if they don't speak English, if they don't have a smartphone, that they are not excluded from the way that society is going to open up as a result of these passes. At the same time, we need to be careful to separate those justified concerns and justified, if not hesitancy, then slowness to be able to access the vaccine from people who are refusing vaccination. So for the the point here is that everyone wants to be kept safe, right? So right now, children under 12 can't be vaccinated. Many people who have had the vaccine but have underlying immune conditions may not have 100% immunity. And none of the vaccines actually were 100% in the clinical trials. Some of them were as low as 60% efficacy. So all of those people who might not have perfect immunity but have been vaccinated deserve to be in a safe space as much as possible. Catesby, is this something that companies like Clear are thinking about as well? Uh, of course, not everyone has you know access to the latest smartphone that might make downloading these apps easier. That's exactly right. I think we spend every day thinking about equity across multiple dimensions. And I think it's never a black or white issue in terms of do you have the vaccine or not? Um, the, the proxy we always go back to is, for instance, if you wanted to get on an airplane today, uh, but you have a metal hip and you can't go through the metal detector, that does not preclude you from access. It just means there's a secondary or tertiary process for how you, given your unique circumstances, are accommodated to that. And for I struggle to think of any partner we've worked with to date where there is solely a binary choice between are you vaccinated or are you tested, for instance, and not but rather a waterfall of screening types and operational protocols that marry together 
to provide equity for everyone meeting them where they are, while also ensuring the health, safety, and security of both the event or the venue and the people who are attending and the employees who work there. And so whether that's, you know, do you have a vaccine? Yes or no? No, totally fine. Do you have a negative COVID test in the last period of time? Perhaps others are doing on-site COVID testing to satisfy those needs. Um, and similarly, do you have a smartphone? Fantastic. Here's one method for entry. But if you don't, totally understand that's fine as well. Do you have a paper CDC card or a printed out test result? Um, we work with everyone where we've implemented across the major sports leagues and travel partners everywhere to provide an array of different screening types to accommodate everybody and meet them where they are, while also, to Marin's point, meeting the health safety needs and requirements of that, that particular experience. Marin, we're getting a lot of questions from listeners in regards to international travel and how people um, can find out what they need to go to different countries. Is there a central place uh, they can find out the documentation that is required? Would, uh, you know, a health pass from a company in the United States be sufficient to travel to a place in Europe? Do you have any information on that? So this is a question that I actually want answered myself because I am desperate to travel again. <laughs> um, as I have been looking around, I have noticed that, in fact, the airlines are actually doing a really good job of this. Um, I live in Atlanta, so I tend to fly Delta Airlines. And when I go on the Delta Airlines site and look at flights to potential border crossing destinations, there's quite elaborate information about you can get in with this, you'll need to show this, you may have to quarantine, you may have to book your quarantine before you leave the United States. Here's how long, how old your test result can be, 24, 48, 72 hours, and so forth. Whether there's any single clearinghouse separate from those commercial sites, that is not, not um, clear to me. I want to go to a caller, Alex in Mountain View. Go ahead. Hi, uh, the gentleman from Clear mentioned free apps, and I, it's been often said that if you aren't paying for the product, then you are the product. And I wanted to know, uh, because anybody who uses a free app is paying for it in some way, either through disclosure of some personal data or looking at ads or whatever, how are these free apps actually being paid for? Catesby, can you res uh, respond to that? Of course, and it's a it's a great question. Uh, I think there it's twofold in some respect. One is uh, COVID is not Clear's core business, uh, right? This is not how we got started or where we see or hope that our long term future lies. Uh, we all hope for a world in which uh, the world can return to normal as soon as possible. Um, but we do think we're uniquely positioned given the infrastructure we built. Um, our you know, certified government backend, our focus on privacy and our consumer facing experience to meet this moment. And so uh, it is free to the, the consumer. Uh, we are, this is a B2B product. So for instance, if you're in the, in the San Francisco area today and you were to go to a Golden State Warriors game, the Warriors are using us to, to satisfy the health screening criteria to, to attend that game. And so in that case, the Warriors are engaged directly with Clear to turn on this functionality for their fans. Um, but it is, it is totally free to the, the consumer and instead a B2B sort of business model for the relying party. I want to squeeze in Michael from Oakland. Michael, go ahead. Hi. Um, I have one comment and one question. Excuse me. Um, the, the comment is that this is just a complete necessity and no-brainer. Uh, the CDC's mask mandate uh, guidance, excuse me, is completely unworkable without a system for verifying your vaccination status. If you say 
that, you know, you are on your own to just certify that you have been vaccinated, then the very same people that have been refusing to wear masks all along, who in substantial numbers overlap with the people who are refusing vaccines, are going to refuse to get a vaccine and say they've been vaccinated and walk into a big music stadium with 50,000 people screaming at their favorite bands, packed together, dancing, and we are going to have super spreader events even if half the people there have been vaccinated. Um, so that this is just nuts. We have to have these things. Um, now, as far as Clear goes, I actually looked on their website several weeks ago because they sponsor underwriting spots on NPR, and I went to check them out. And I've just double-checked my memory now. In order to use the app, you have to submit your irises and your fingerprints to them, which I'm sorry, I'm not willing to submit those kinds of company data to a private company. It's uh, unfortunate enough that we have to rely on private companies to develop apps even for our vaccination records. This really ought to be something the government is doing. Um, I want to know how you justify requiring that level of biometrics to be held by your company when it could be validated either through possession of the phone or via a second piece of identification or something that doesn't require unnecessary additional invasive uh, information to be stored Thank with you so your much. company. Thank you, Michael. Thank you. Uh, Kate Speed, can you, can you reply to that? Is, is what Michael's saying accurate? And if so, how do you reassure people or that their data is safe? Yeah, no, two different clear products at stake here. The first is what most people understand about us from the airport security lane. So when you use us in an airport, um, we operate under the auspices of Homeland Security and TSA. And in those use cases, when you go to the airport, you do have to physically enroll using iris and your fingerprints. Um, and that's required from an identity standard perspective um, by our partners at those agencies. When we're talking about health pass specifically in our COVID-related product and how we empower the consumer, we do not collect either of those things. Those are not, are, are not part of the process. Um, we simply collect a standard selfie, right? It is taking a selfie of you at the end of the day so we can ensure that the health data that, that you're driving access to, whether it's linking directly to your vaccination record or uploading a photo of your CDC card, actually is Catesby's CDC card record or vaccine record. Um, but iris and fingerprint are solely the purview of in-person enrollment in the airport and have, have no relation to, to what health pass is or how it functions. Thank you so much for that clarification. And we've been talking about vaccine passports with Catesby Perrin from Clear and Marin McKenna, a contributor at Wired. Thank you both so much for joining us on Forum today. Thanks, Thanks. for having us. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com.
We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.